A good Thursday morning to you. Thanks for sticking around if you've been hanging out with uh, Bruce Bowie. I know Bruce has been talking CFR, and for good reason. So has Bob Layton through the morning, uh, bringing you the news that Edmonton could lose the Canadian Finals Rodeo after more than 40 years. Now, it sounds like, and you probably know as much about this as I do, uh, that the Cates Group, the Oilers Entertainment Group, uh, via Bob Nicholson, this is where we're getting our information, has made uh, the most handsome offer that the Pro Rodeo Association has ever seen in dangling this carrot and trying to get CFR to stay and to move into Roger's place for our new arena's first year in existence. CFR says, well, we're going to explore our options and look around. Why not? This is the same this is the same methodology. This is the same thought of those that say marriage contracts should only be for 7 years or 10 years and then both parties should have an opportunity to reevaluate. And if you're both still happy, then stay in the marriage. And if you're not, then walk away. Edmonton is such a perfect fit for CFR, everyone says. But if more is being offered purse-wise and incentive-wise than ever before, and CFR is still saying, we're going to look around, at some point, doesn't Edmonton have to say, we'll be here, we'll be waiting for your call after you look around, but we won't wait forever. Don't forget, this isn't just one group pandering to another. This is a negotiation, a somewhat, we won't call it a standoff quite yet, but to give it that Wild West element, let's just say maybe a couple trigger fingers will be getting itchy, but those same fingers could be used to sign a deal, of course. We'll keep you updated as details unfold. We like to think we'll be first in line with those details. So keep it locked here on 630 Chat if you're looking for that. As mentioned, in the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to talk to Dr. Louis Quantis. He's the president of the AVMA. That's the Alberta Veterinary Medical Association. He says there's like 100 dog rescue agencies in Alberta. Good news, right? Well, maybe not. He says they're not all regulated. They're not all supervised. Apparently, there might be an issue. We'll talk to Dr. Qantas, and then we'll keep him around for a few of your questions. We'll, we'll save you 150 bucks. You don't have to go to the vet. You can call in. In the 11 o'clock hour, Doug Goss joins us, the former chair of the University of Alberta Board of Governors, of course, a well-respected businessman here in Edmonton. And then we may be speaking, and we're certainly not putting any pressure on them, but we may be speaking with the Crawford family. You heard that Julie Crawford was able to return home uh, in the midst of a fight for her life, quite frankly, on a medevac flight yesterday. That's because her son's seventh birthday was looming and Canadians, Edmontonians, stood up and said, we're going to get you home, raising more than $50,000 to fly Julie Crawford home just in time for her son's seventh birthday party. Uh, we may be speaking with Corey Crawford, her husband, on the significance of that GoFundMe initiative after 1130 our first guest of the morning is sitting with me here in studio. And Mike Jolly, first of all, a warm welcome to you. Thank you very much, Ryan. I appreciate it. Very good to have you in studio. Uh, you may think it's weird that I'll touch on your appearance right off the bat, but this is radio. And if people were watching us on television, they would immediately note that you've got a shaved head. You've got a, a goatee that, that nearly touches your belly button. Uh, you've got silver rings on every finger, big black boots with huge buckles. Uh, you could be fronting a thrash metal band, but instead you might be the coolest teacher, at least appearance-wise, 
at Archbishop Jordan Catholic High School in Sherwood Park. Uh, thank you very much, Ryan. It is not unusual at all. So uh, so my... people now know what you look like. Yes. And after your address, uh, just this past Friday at the Greater Edmonton Teachers Convention, people know what you're all about as well. You're, you're, you're making a few ripples in the education pond, aren't you? I am. I'm not going to say I'm 100% comfortable because I do not like to be the center of attention, but I am very proud that people are standing up and taking notice. Okay, I'm going I'm to get you to come right up oh, to your microphone sorry. here. If you've got a rock and roll look, we want to hear that rock okay. and roll voice. Uh, uh, Mike, you essentially spoke to teachers in a presentation that gleaned, as far as I've heard, a standing ovation and, and raucous approval. You stood up and you said, we're not doing kids any favors the way essentially we're pandering to them right now. Uh, yeah, I am not a person that believes in lowering the bar. I believe in raising the bar, particularly for my students. My Dash 2 students are often at risk for a variety of different reasons. And I believe that in order for them to build a life that they're proud of as adults, they need to build a very strong character along the way. And I just wanted to share sort of my philosophies about how character building is so important and that we should be considering that in our classrooms as I do. Mike, you've been teaching for about 20 years? Uh, yeah, 19. Coming up, okay, yeah. 19 years you've been teaching. Uh, you, When we got in touch with you, when we heard about your presentation on Friday and got in touch with you, you were so eager to share your message that you've actually... You've taken a professional day today to be uh, with us here in studio. You were so eager to get your message out. Why is this so important to you? Are you seeing tangible firsthand evidence that what we're doing right now from an education standpoint is actually hurting kids? Uh, I think part of the reason why, I'm, well, the only reason why I'm eager is because I do love my kids. I love them a lot. They are so important to me. And I have seen not even not in my sort of classes per se but just talking to other people seeing students i have had incidences where i have seen it so for example this was one of the two sort of issues that i came across to start this presentation my wife and i wanted to build a fence we picked a great builder it was a good guy knew what knows what he was doing um but it kept stretching the fence wasn't getting built. And then when we talked to him, all of his young staff just kept leaving. It was, oh, yeah, we're here one day, and then the next we're not. And the guy ends up fixing my fence with his wife, finishing it together. Because he couldn't wife. count on his because, workers. And, that, and that's when I started to realize this is a big issue. And so then I started looking at it from an educational standpoint. Is there something, you know, maybe I need to do to help make sure that this kind of thing does not become everywhere. Now, you mentioned Dash 2 students. What do you yes. mean by that? Um, the education system is is broken into two streams in high school. You have the Dash 1 and then you have the Dash 2. So the Dash 2 stream is more about um, students who do struggle, who are learning to accept their limitations, they understand this isn't necessarily their particular bailiwick. And so generally, while I teach both, those are the students that I, they, that I teach. I don't have to tell you who Lyndon Dorval is, right? Nope. 
Lindendor Val back in 2012 made national headlines uh, when uh, while teaching at Ross Shepard High School, he violated school policy by giving students zeros. Ultimately, he was suspended, then fired, and then vilified. Ultimately, I mean, ultimately he appealed, and the end of the story, I guess, is a good news story. Uh, when a tribunal ruled that he shouldn't have been suspended for refusing to implement that policy that had several demonstrable problems. You've spoken out against the no-zero policy as well. Uh, Yes, but when I spoke out about it, it was sort of like a package with all education or the newer educational trends because I see, for me uh, and my sort of students, I see how they all kind of um, seem to be lowering the bar for my kind of student. And that, for me, is is problematic. I didn't speak specifically about the no zero. I do not agree with it. But at the same time, I don't necessarily agree with the eager zero either. What's that? Well, that's, you know, I don't want to go back to the days that, you know, my dad used to talk about where, you know, a teacher would whack him about the head for chewing gum, right? I don't want to go back to that. I don't think a zero is earned for any other reason than as a growing experience. If someone is just giving a zero because um, it is just, you know, oh, you forgot your pencil, you get a zero today. I'm not comfortable necessarily with that. I think zeros are things that have to be earned. I think they are something that have to be used as a character builder. So in other words, how would if I was a student of yours, mm-hmm. how would I earn a zero in a way that you would justify handing one out? Okay. Uh, in my class, uh, all my assessments are done in class. I'm not a homework guy because a lot of my kids in their living situations have to work full-time or part-time or these kinds of things. So I don't want to apply necessarily any more pressure than they're already under. Um, and, of course, I can control the environment of the assessment. Um, when they miss a class, if a child has missed a class because of chemotherapy, then I will look at that child and say, well, yeah, here, you come in next week, you write it. If a child misses a class because their 19th grandparent has died, then I'm a little concerned. Then I'm looking at the child and going, well, listen, you come clean, let's work this out, and uh, if you can't, then the zero is yours. My favorite is when a kid does look at me and said, Mr. Jolly, I earned this. I earned this zero. I screwed up. I did whatever. And and again, that kind of courage and character is what I want my students to grow up having. I was about to put you on the spot with something. Okay. And I, <laughs> And then all of a sudden I'm wondering, you know, there's going to be a lot of teachers, retired teachers, and future teachers listening to this broadcast, as well as parents. And and I wanted to ask you, and I will, Mm -hmm. if you believe that the majority of your colleagues feel the way that you do. I'm not suggesting that teaching is the exclusive profession to, to boast some who have mailed it in, so to speak. Right. We, we see that in every industry, in every business, in every line of work, but not every teacher, I would imagine, would share your passion when you stood up to the podium last Friday and said, quote, we are the last chance our kids have of not becoming entitled, <laughs> materialistic, spoiled monsters. Okay, now can I answer that into two parts? You can answer that in as many parts as you like. All right, so first of all, I do have to apologize. Uh, The word monster actually is not ever in my vocabulary, and anybody that was there will tell you I was 
literally struggling for a word. I had used the word victim, sidekick. I had used all of those Hooligan. things. Uh, <laughs> no, Ne'er do well. No, because those that would describe me as a student. So <laughs> sure. I'm, I was a lot worse. Uh, but I do, you know, and my wife was the one that pointed it out. And when my wife notices something, then I know that I've made definitely a mistake. And so I want to apologize for that particular word. It okay. Was not, it was not my, it was just popped. Um, okay, let's get rid of that word. Okay. And you still will yep. go on the record, uh, if we can mutually agree to submit this, that you said we are the last chance our kids have of not becoming entitled, materialistic, yep. and spoiled. Okay. Then I would say that I believe... And for, again, a variety of reasons, because of common sense reasons and and other sorts of things, that the education system, at least for me, was designed to help our students grow. And I understand people think character development is is a part of the parent, or is the main focus is should be for the parent, and I agree with that. My parents are awesome uh, that I deal with on a regular basis. But... When I was a teenager, I was lucky to have young aunts and uncles. You know why? Because even though my parents were smart and they knew things, I didn't listen to them. Sometimes it's important to have another adult that you are willing to listen to, that is willing to share the same kinds of ideas and try and build your character like a parent would. Because sometimes as a teenager, we just don't pay attention to the people who know what's going on. Teenagers have been like that for thousands of years, right? What were you like as a student? Did you respect your teachers? Did you respect the process? I mean, how did you approach class? Um, I was a terrible student in terms of the fact that, as you can see, I've always been the kind of person to uh, go to the beat of my own drum. I respected my teachers because, to be perfectly honest, they were awesome human beings. And I'm glad I get to work with most of them still because I came back to, to my high school. Um, You're working as a colleague now with teachers yeah. that taught you when yeah. you were in high school? That's excellent. <laughs> uh, and actually, it's kind of a, a funny joke. One of my kids, or sorry, one of my teachers when I first started, and he was just kidding, but he said, ah, I lost 20 bucks. And I was like, why? He said, well, I said you'd be in prison. By oh, now. wow. <laughs> there you go. That's amazing. Yeah. I have two little nephews, uh, Isaiah and Sawyer. Isaiah's 10, Sawyer's 5. And, and their parents tell us that they're putting money away for Isaiah's university and Sawyer's bail. <laughs> That's I love how that. <laughs> Sawyer's 5. And they're already <laughs> mapping out his future. Uh, our guest is Mike Jolly on the text line here to 630, 630. Uh, Big Swede says the word monster is just fine. Steven okay. says there's no need for your guest to apologize. Uh, Tim's listening in from Drayton Valley. Good morning to you out west. He says uh, Mike is part of the solution, in my opinion. He's exactly what our kids need. You've had people on your show that have stated that we don't need more victims. And he's part of a solution to that problem. Character building is essential for every child's success. And what he says about kids not wanting to work is true, says Tim. Parents need to do more for their kids by doing less. Let them fall down a few times. Learn that the subsequent message. You know, you can't always be successful with every effort. That's important. He says it's okay to fail, but learn and grow from that experience. He says, good job, Mike Jolly. Thank you for your efforts. We need more teachers like you. Thank you very much, Tim. I do appreciate that a great deal. Wow. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at a rock and roller with a genuine, modest, humble smile on his face. Did you just wipe your eye? Just or was a that, little. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, Mike, uh, we're going to fit in a quick break. When we sure. come back, I'm, I'm, I'm 
let's plan ahead. We'll keep you here to ten o'clock. Is that cool with you? I mean, I've you, you, got you've day. taken the day off. <laughs> I've taken. So the we'll day keep off. you here till ten. Uh, okay. You've got the headphones on, which means we can take some phone calls as well. Uh, more with Mike Jolly. We're talking education, and it doesn't just have to be high school. But we'll open up the conversation. You can text us to six thirty six thirty. If you'd rather chime in over the phone, Gina, let's open up the board seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Mike Jolly is our guest uh, here in studio, a teacher in the Elk Island. Catholic School Division. That's Sherwood Park and surrounding area, right? Uh, yes, Mike, yes. Uh, Elk Island, you're specifically at Archbishop Jordan Catholic High School. Uh, a caller, uh, just call it, they didn't want to stick on the line. They were just curious to know specifically what you teach, what classes and who, because you have a, a few different involvements out there, don't you? I, I do. Uh, my primary uh, class, of course, is English, both the 30-1 and the 30-2 streams. I teach religion every once in a while at the 30 level, uh, but I also, with the help of one of my colleagues and best friends uh, created a video game design class. What? Yeah, we thought there was a need for kids who, you know, want to learn to program and make video games and design their own sorts of things. So, What's enrollment like in that class? Is it full? It's it's pretty good, yeah. I mean, gamers aren't everywhere, but we but the gamers that we do have in there are committed. They love what they do. That's excellent. Uh, if you're just <laughs> joining us, the reason why Mike Jolly took the day off, uh, cashed in on one of his professional development days to be here with us in studio, is we asked him to join us after an address that he made uh, last Friday, uh, uh, conglomerate of teachers at the Greater Edmonton Teachers Convention, where he said no zero policies, lenient deadlines, and uh, well, our general attitudes are actually failing students who need structure in school. Mike, you talk about the power of failure. What do you mean, and, and why is it so important? Why is it so powerful, failure? Well, I think failure, to me, has always been a growth Uh, a learning sort of lesson that helps us grow. And uh, just like with my monster comment, I I did want to apologize for that because I do and see it as a failure. And one of the reasons why I think we need to help students learn to fail and accept failure is because it's something that's going to happen for the rest of their lives. I'm 45. I'm relatively educated. I have lived in the world, as Jane Austen would say, and yet I fail every day. I still can't put that toilet seat down. My wife uh, still goes crazy because of those things. So if kids grow up thinking that success is actually the most important thing, then when they fail, and I have had watched friends go through this, the longer you go without failing, the more painful a failure is when it comes. Mm. So if kids learn to fail, learn that it's okay. One of the first lectures I give to my kids is embrace failure. It's okay. There's no shame in not succeeding. That's part of being, that's part of the most beautiful thing about being human. We fail every day and we keep going on. Now, there's the follow up lesson, I would imagine, about complacency, though, right? Yes. Well, failure's yeah. cool, failure's great, <laughs> but not if it happens every single time. Well, yeah, we don't, I don't want them to just give up and go. I say, you got to try your best, you got to work your hardest, but if it still doesn't, come out in the wash, you can't sit there and be ashamed and afraid of that. Because I guess that's the key. Everybody is so afraid to fail that sometimes that keeps us from taking risks. Sometimes that keeps us from fully developing because we let that fear 
sort of control our decision-making process. Sarah B. says, hey, I love English classes. If I could hang out in your class, I would visit. Are grown adults allowed to audit your English class? <laughs> do you, would you like Ched Nation showing up en masse in Archbishop <laughs> Jordan, or is that a nightmare for you? That I, might be. I would. Because uh, we will in droves. In droves. I would appreciate that. I have no issue, but I'm sure there is something somewhere that would be an issue, but <laughs> I could add a story to that huh? if you would let me. Well, sure. You, will you hang tight? Okay. Because we're running out of time oh, here. You know, yes. we've, got, we've got to hit the news right at 9.30. Good news is we've got you here for an hour. Let's fit in one quick call because the call board's sure. jamming up here. Sorry. Rick, good morning. You're on the line with Mike Jolly. Hi, Rick. Oh, hang on a second. This is my fault. I'm figuring out the board, Mike. I've only okay. worked here for 14 months. <laughs> Rick, can we hear me now? Let's try it again. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. You? Thank you. Sorry about that. No problem. Mike, I just want to say I agree with your uh, no zero policy or zero policies. Um, when I was a student, you got zeros because you didn't do your work, and that's what I think you believe in. You you believe in getting the work done. Yes. And also, if you fail, uh, learn from your failures. Yes. Don't just stop and say, "Oh, I failed. I can't do it again." Yeah. The basis of my thing that I that I have a problem with today with education is I put it back onto you teachers. <laughs> when I was a student. Teachers were separated from the, the students by their uh, dress. Right. And the teachers, I can't remember when it all started, the teachers started a, they, they had a very strict dress code, and then it changed. And now when I walk into a school, I can't tell the teachers from the students. Right. Rick, I do you think, think that's, that's a good a thing or problem. a bad thing? I think it's a major problem. Well, I mean, I described what Mike's wearing. Mike, you look, well, how do I, I mean, it's not, you know, you look like you could be a student. Yep. You look like a rock and roller. So I, how would you respond to Rick? Well, uh, first of all, we do have a dress code policy at our school, so I do wear my jacket. And okay, so you're wear. on it, you're wearing day off oh, clothing yeah, right now. Oh, yeah, I'm wearing who I am sort okay. of clothes. But I do have my beard, and I do have my boots, and I do have my rings. And while I do understand that particular philosophy for me because again of the kinds of kids uh, that I do teach my my appearance of being different actually encourages them to accept their own sort of difference that they can be comfortable with who they are uh, because they see that I am willing to you know step to my own drum to some extent but I do dress professionally when I am at work and we okay, all because that's what that's what I notice when I go into the schools today the majority of teachers don't dress professional hey Rick I'll tell you what there's a whole bunch of people agreeing with your take on the text line right now thanks for the call Okay. Appreciate Thank you, Rick. you chiming in. Uh, we'll have Matthew first in line. Plus, as you can see here, Mike, if you keep an eye on yeah, the text I, line, you, you see what I people are doing. It, this thing's I blowing up right it. now. Yeah. So we'll get to some of your comments. I'll let you read the longer ones through the break. Okay. Here's the headlines. Mike Jolly is our guest in studio, a high school teacher out at Archbishop Jordan Catholic High School, the Elk Island School District, the school division rather, in Sherwood Park. Mike addressed, how many teachers were there last Friday? A few hundred at least. Um, actually, last Friday I think it was only 60. The first time there was... The big know. convention, at the, that was at the Shaw, right? Yeah. 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 And so you spoke, and this was the Greater Edmonton Teachers Convention. Just to yes. recap, because there will be uh, some of our friends just tuning in right now, Mike. Essentially, the gist of your message was... The gist of my message was that... Or I, is. Or is, sorry, I guess, uh, is that our kids need 
and especially mine, need a significant amount of character education. They need someone who loves them enough to hold them accountable. They need to understand the power of failure. They need to know how to build a legitimate self-esteem. Um, because this world we live in is tough. And I think in order to survive, we need to give our kids the coping skills. And because I deal with high school students, they are just a minor step into adulthood. So I always believe that if we start these lessons early in a safe environment, that will just help them build the lives that they want when they get up. I was uh, did a communications undergraduate degree, and, and I was working toward a minor in sociology, and uh, a university professor kind of called my bluff, to be quite honest with you, Mike. And in my fourth year of university, in my first semester, I failed a class, the only class that I failed in university. Uh, and you know why? Because I didn't do any work, and I didn't show up to any classes, and I figured by the end I could pull it all together because I had a great rapport with this professor. I had taken right. five or six of his classes through the previous years. He failed me. He didn't apologize for failing me. I never got that sociology minor on my degree. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned a lesson, yep. and I'm going to assume, I'm going to guess that you're going to tell me, had he passed me, he wouldn't have done me any favors. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I will say. Um, again, I don't want people to think that my students are, you know, terrible sorts of human beings, because they are superheroes as far as I am concerned, all of them that I've taught over the years. Um, but it does... Everybody hits the wall. Every, everybody gets into a situation where if you drop the ball, there are consequences. And those consequences help growth. Those consequences make you better. I don't even want to tell you the amount of mistakes that I have made a lot worse than failing a university class and, you know, having those and losing a minor. Uh, and most of the t and all of the time, I've only got myself to blame. I made the choices. I made the decisions. And I just want my kids to be able to have the freedom to understand that and be given the opportunity to know that. Matthew's called in to 780-496-0063. Matthew, you're on the line with Mike Jolly. Good morning. Good. How's, how's it going, you guys? Good. Doing good. well. Good. <laughs> good. I guess my question is, first of all, I would like to say also that I wholeheartedly agree with uh, with your message that you can't uh, not fail people, I think, and especially at that young age. You do create that mentality of entitlement, and you do see that... Uh, when they come out of school, so I'm not. I don't have children myself yet, um, and I'm only 33 years old. But I've been involved with coaching minor sports. You definitely see that attitude that they can do no wrong, and there's no accountability. And you see that from young parents uh, with their kids. Uh, but my question, I guess, more related to um, one of the other comments we hear about the education system quite a bit is that it's overburdened. There's too, like the class sizes are already too big, and if we start failing kids, is that going to put even more burden? Uh, on the on the system and how do you manage that if, if, if we were to you know change course and go towards you know ha having more accountability with grades and and with success in school uh, to be perfectly honest I'm not sure I'm qualified necessarily to answer that type of a question because uh, I'm not well aware of everything that's along those kinds of lines but I would say this I would say that if a person gets passed simply to free up a spot in a classroom, for me, if it was one of mine, I wouldn't be comfortable with that. I'd rather just suck it up and deal and find a way to make it all work. Does that, I mean, that's just the layman's blue collar answer, because I'm, I'm sorry, I 
Why are you, know, you apologizing? Well, what are you no, apologizing for? <laughs> Matthew's, Matthew's asking for your comment based on your personal no. experience, and you're apologizing for it. Well, I just wish I knew more about the grand scheme of the overflowing classrooms and, and these. Yeah, but we didn't, we didn't look to bring on the most experienced teacher in all of North America. We're bringing in you, <laughs> okay, and you're you. here. So that would be my answer. Is Does that, that work for you, Matthew? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I guess is that... Uh, would you say that that was that would be amongst all the teachers? That's kind of the same idea is that they would they would take on that challenge themselves, or do you think that there is a problem that you know that may be a systemic issue within the system that they don't want it? If if there is one thing I know about teachers is they got into this because they cared. Nobody gets into this gig because they don't. And so huh. I would you know I can't put words in other teachers' mouths, but everybody I know would do the same because that would be the common sense thing if we do whatever it takes to make our kids better. Hmm. Oh, perfect. Matthew, thanks for the call. Thank you, Matthew. Really appreciate you listening to the show. You know, uh, Mike, it appears that a ton of not only former students of yours and parents of your students are listening right now, but some of your students are listening right now, and they're chiming in on the text line. I'll get to those in just a moment. There's a listener here at a boil. It appears to be the first time they've ever texted the show, which is a compliment to you. They say, good on Mike Jolly on being strong enough to give a student a zero. We need more of this. Any educator who thinks that passing a student to the next grade when they haven't mastered the skills necessary is not right. I hope that this becomes the norm once again. Are you as a teacher pressured to pass students that shouldn't be passed? Like for me personally cuz I don't I personally don't have that issue because my kids don't not necessarily pass because because I treat my kids like a family because we've built a unit. My kids will pass just to make me hat like they'll do the work for me as well as themselves because we have that kind of a bond that we create in the class so i wouldn't necessarily say uh that you know some ultra up there said you got to pass this kid because i haven't been in that situation uh, in the text line, your listener says, Hi, Mike. My son's a student in your class, and from oh. what I've heard, you're a highly respected teacher by the students. Kids like it that you want to give zeros, and they respect you for that. They also enjoy your wisdoms. They do. There you have it. Uh, <laughs> another here says, uh, this is Cromer. My son says you sound just like you did in class. Same message, a good one. Thank so you. So you're consistent. I try to be. And, and I'm not just filtering out. It's 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 unusual that a guest comes in here and doesn't have at least one person just blow them up. But everyone seems to be respecting <laughs> you, Mike. You might be the first. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you do guys. you know, would, would the name Melanie in Drayton Valley mean anything to you? Uh, uh, Melanie says, shout out to Mr. Jolly, a former student. Oh, uh, nice. She's a former student of yours, now a business owner, says, I'm thankful to have had him as my English teacher. Uh, thank you, Mike, uh, for making a stand on the subject of giving zeros when needed. There are so many options for students to get help if they're not catching on to a concept. Uh, Melanie says children should not be shuffled through the system just for showing up. Put in the effort, show your work, get help if needed. Then students wouldn't have to worry about a zero. Zero work, zero effort, zero requests for help should result in a zero. Same rules as the real world. You don't show up for work, you don't complete your tasks, you don't have a job, period. That from Melanie. That is, and that's I wisdom right Melanie. there. Yeah, I do. Yeah, okay, uh, Dawn's wondering at what age zeros should start, which will be interesting. We've also okay. got Surge holding the line. We'll get to those calls. Mike Jolly here in studio three till ten o'clock. We'll be right back. 
High school teacher Mike Jolly, our guest in studio. Mike made waves at the Greater Edmonton Teachers Convention last Friday where he said, enough complacency. Yeah, we need to crack down on students more, out of love. We need to teach them about the real world. Now, Mike, you've seen the text line through the break. Yes. I'm showing you uh, yes. the number, of the, the, the impact that you're making, these messages that are coming in. And many of them are referencing the no-zero policies, and you're almost wincing. How come? <laughs> well, I, I understand that that is a, an important issue to Albertans. And, and I believe that if this is such an important issue, maybe we should be having more dialogue about it, because obviously there are a lot of people who are concerned. Uh, but I wanted to talk about there is far more going on, if for, because for me it's about raising and lowering the bar and giving kids the opportunity to go above the bar by... Uh, you know, facing their own fears and, and, and having the courage to do those kinds of things. Uh, because it is an overall social issue. I mean, um, when you look at things like even the resurgence of discovery learning, that's not good for my kids. And my kids are generally not the ones that are considered when new educational trends pop. Uh, so if discovery learning, the, the first premises get students to become, you know, centered in their learning to let them decide what they want. Uh, well, my kids are teenagers. What did any of us want when we were teenagers? We were mostly thinking about, uh, you know, the things that were going on right here, right now. I still uh, thought I was going to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. There you go. See, I still thought I'd be a rock star. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, la I'm not laughing at your dream. I'm laughing at mine. Uh, a listener text in uh, to 630, 630. Mike is the reason I became an English teacher. I am so proud to be working alongside him at Archbishop Jordan right now. That's a pretty powerful message. That, so I responded back. I don't know if you noticed. Right. No. Uh, while you weren't looking, I responded okay. back and I said, hey, would you tell me your name? And would you mind me saying your name on the air? Because I think that would make it a little more powerful. The response comes back, I'd rather you didn't because I'm literally teaching a class as we speak. You could say that I'm a proud student of Jolly's. So teachers, is this good or bad? The teachers at Archbishop Jordan are listening in as they teach. You know, why don't we just put this interview through the PA? Why don't you let all the students listen to it? Don's been holding the line. Good morning, Don. Hi. Uh, hi, Don. Hi. My, my uh, question is, uh, um, like, uh, if you go into sports and stuff at uh, these young age, they give all the kids trophies and and uh, they never really learned the whole uh, concept of losing. And I, I kind of consider it the same as, uh, as this as zero policy. I, I, I'm a strong believer in, in that if you don't do the work, you get nothing. As a matter of fact, I, if guys don't do the work who work for me, they get fired. So my thing is, when do you think you should start doing this? Because I, I don't really like to see too much discouragement on younger kids. Um, especially some of them might not be really mentally capable of learning the same way other ones do. Uh, and that is a, a great question, uh, and it's one of the reasons why when I do my presentation, it is strictly for uh, high school teachers and that sort of message. Because you're right, uh, elementary school kids, I'm not sure, are mature enough to understand things like the power of failure. They're, they are still building their self-esteem um, and those kinds of things. Uh, again, I'm not an expert, so I don't know exactly when uh, that should take place, but I know 
that as a grade 12 teacher, my kids are four months away from making it into the real world. Yeah. And I have a responsibility to at least make sure they have the very basics of character building to get them in there. No, I, I, I absolutely agreed. Probably uh, with a lot of the, the younger people that I have come working for me, I think once I give them a dose of reality that they're they're going to be unemployed soon. It's some some like a shock to them. Some don't really understand the whole concept of of this. So mm. yeah. I agree a hundred percent. They have to learn it sometime in high school. I think is the best time. Yeah. Maybe even junior high because I know when I went to junior high, I got the strap all the time. Yeah, Don, I'm with you. I'm I'm with you. Uh, and Don, thanks for the call. Thank you, Don. I I think junior high is is you know I mean hey at some point and I don't mean to sound heartless or cold or calloused right. here but I mean even at five six seven years old you have to understand I mean because Don brought up the sports context right someone's got to get picked last yes um and and I'm not saying that at three years old somebody needs to be singled out and understand you've been picked last for soccer but but at some point yeah. listen like we're not all going to be first overall picks hang tight we'll sure. fit in the last break we've got Serge and Paige on the line and a whole bunch of texts to get read more with Mike Jolly right after this. I've got to say I'm blown away at how many new texters, how many new listeners are chiming in this morning as Mike Jolly joins us, a high school teacher at Archbishop Jordan out in Sherwood Park. Uh, Who are Kylie and Michaela? Kylie and Michaela are a couple of students. They uh, have texted in to say, we're blasting this interview all throughout the cosmetology room. Good job, Mr. Jolly. I love you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Serge has been holding the line. Good morning, Serge. Morning, Ryan. Good morning. How are you guys today? Doing well. What's on your mind? Hey, I've been listening to Chet for a long time, and I just wanted to call in and say, Mike, you know what? You're doing an amazing job. Uh, There needs to be more teachers out there like you. Thank you very much. Uh, I think that the, uh, the society, you know, we always um, fail our kids because we give, give them this false hope that they'll ne- never fail. Um, but yet once they get in the real world, it's, uh, it's different. So um, yeah. keep up the good work, and I'm glad you're doing it. There's Appreciate the like call, you. Serge. Thanks Thank very much. Very That's much. fantastic. Paige, good morning to you. Good morning. I don't want to be the downer, and I am absolutely. <laughs> We've a been fan. waiting for at least one of them, Paige. Yeah, you know, I'm a fan of what I've heard. I commend all that I'm hearing, but the the notion of keeping these kids within a, the walls of a of a safe environment while promoting. Uh, oneself and being confident in showing off who you are by whatever color that might be, if it's, you know, the buckled boots or the, the silver rings. I'm very, very glad that you found that niche and and are safe in that, you know, zone. But that isn't the case out in the real world, world for, for many people. And they, these students of yours are going to leave the walls of your school, as you no doubt are more aware than anybody, and find themselves all of a sudden perhaps overly confident in a world that doesn't accept those walking to the beat of their own drum. And I don't want those kids to all of a sudden find themselves in a parade that they're alone. Interesting take. Uh, Thanks for the call, Paige. I'll let you respond quickly. I I like that. And actually, when I say safe uh, uh, in walls, what what I mean is in a situation where if a child, if one of my students fails an exam, they think it's the end of the world. 
that's not the end of the world. All of us, and I'm sure Paige, you agree with that. So when I talk about safe is just we're allowing them small opportunities to fail so that when the bigger ones hit when they're adults, because my kids know there are no breaks. And yes, I want them to be their own person, but they also know that there's a game you have to play. And that is a part of what I teach my kids. All right. We've got time for one last call. Roxy, I understand you're a retired teacher. Yes, and I'm a, and I retired elementary teacher, and it just um, kind of I hope this helps you, Mr. Jolly, but um, Mike, but thank you. Failing a student um, and giving a zero, uh, people are, are different. Like failing a grade and giving someone a failing mark, a zero is different. Um, yes. In elementary, uh, there's in my whole career, I think I held back two students. Neither one of it, neither neither time it was helpful to the student. And typically studies show us that a child that you think should be held back typically has something else going on, right. which should be supported by um, um, special, uh, needs extra support in school, and that's something that's very much lacking, help with, uh, with those kind of kids. So when you give someone a zero to teach them a lesson. I agree with that completely because I do believe that there, these kids are, there's lots of entitlement. Um, and also the, the, the pedestal thing, um, if you think about failing a test and falling off that pedestal isn't very big, but if you've never ever been taught to fail and then suddenly you lose your company, that's a really big fall. Yes. Thanks for the yes. call, Roxy. I appreciate that. We're up against the clock. Can you respond to that in 15 yeah, seconds? I was just, that's exactly why I think learning to fail early is that. And she is right. There's a difference between failing a grade and failing an exam. Uh, and everybody's story is different. And at elementary, I know it definitely is. I know I, too, have only failed two kids grade-wise. Um, and actually, they came back with all the courage in the world, retook the course and were model students compared to the first time around. And I did not do that lightly. I was not comfortable doing it. It broke my heart that I had to look at them and say, well, these are the choices you made. This is what you did. And this is what happens. And when they came back, they were model students. And I always welcome students back with open arms when they drop the ball. Mike Jolly, thanks for cashing in a PD day to hang out with us. Thank you. Will you agree right now on the record, sure. to return here to Studio One Friday for a roundtable conversation if, with maybe a couple other educators or parents or whatever the case may be. If you ever need me, you let me know. I insist. Okay. Thanks, pal. That's Mike <laughs> Jolly, a high much. school teacher at Archbishop Jordan out in Sherwood Park. News headlines coming right up.